Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. Acts chapter six, find verse eight. As I start a new series this morning entitled Getting Ready for the Harvest. Getting Ready for the Harvest. Verse 6 of Acts 6 to begin with. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And a large number of priests came to the faith. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition, imagine that. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as in the province of Cilicia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen, but they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. They secretly persuaded men, some to say, quote, we have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. All right, go now to chapter 7 and uh, find the 54th verse. Uh, Acts 7 and verse 54. If you're all there, say, woo! Very good. At this, they covered their ears. I'm going to take it from 54, pardon me. When members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Verse 56, look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears, yelling at the top of their voices, and they rushed at him, dragging him out of the city, began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep. He fell asleep. Find chapter 8, that would be the next chapter, and uh, verse 1, on, pardon me, and Saul approved of their killing him. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Go down to verse 4. Though as had been, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to him, to what he said. For with shrieks, with what? Shrieks, impure spirits came out of many. That's, maybe you heard that a little earlier in the service. Somebody was getting freed. So there was great joy. Everybody say great joy in the city. What's great joy? Joy that's great. Yeah. Go to verse 40, final verse. 
of that same chapter, Acts 8 and verse 40. Philip, however, appeared at Azortus and traveled about preaching the gospel in towns until he reached Caesarea. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you've done, what you're doing. May the effects of this service be far-reaching even to eternity, O oh God. Change us as your word goes forth and doesn't return void. Anoint his lips of clay, God, I pray. And we thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. A brand new series. I prophesied six or eight weeks ago that there was going to be a historic run of salmon. And uh, there has been a historic run of salmon in the Bristol Bay. I'm to understand, I read in various articles and uh, national fishermen in different places, it is the largest recorded salmon run there has ever been in the history of recording salmon. Now, may there was, maybe there was larger ones before they recorded, but now that they're recording, I guess it's the largest one ever. And Pastor Tim and Minister Heidi were on the river and partook of that. They have a they, they have a fishing, a fishery, I guess it's called, and uh, family fishery has been in their family for, for generations. They go back to Iggy Gick and fish there, and we're glad to have you with us this morning. I believe it was even in the prophetic word that I gave that it's a sign. It's a sign of what God wants to do. Come on, someone say the harvest is here. It absolutely is. And so I've entitled this new series, Getting Ready for the Harvest. Because if you're not ready, you won't catch the harvest that comes in. We could have Pastor Tim come up and talk about what it is to get your nets ready. That's weeks before. You have to have a net. You have to have a process by which you can catch the fish. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I've been dip netting for, well, I don't know, 15 years. And in the 15 years of dip netting, I have noticed that if you have holes in your net, you have a tendency to miss some. In the book of Genesis, you'll see that there was no tree that sprung up because there was no man to tend the garden. When man is then put in the garden, it is then that vegetation and vegetables and trees are then in the garden because there was no man to tend it. The degree that we can release people with nets, can I say it that way? The degree that we can raise up laborers and leaders, people to serve is the degree that the harvest will have. And God is touching people, saving people, healing people, delivering people. Everybody wants to get saved. Every single person wants to get saved. They might not know it, but they all want Jesus. And God is using us and so many others in a profound way to bring the harvest. And Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Then he says, pray ye Lord of the harvest, that he would thrust forth labors into the harvest field. Getting ready for the harvest, we have to couple our prayers. That's why we're fasting and praying in August, because we're about to explode. We have been exploding, but we're about to move into our new facility. And that dream that Pastor Kirsten had all those years ago of all the salmon coming in and flooding the place, is going to come to pass. It's a prophetic dream of thousands and thousands. Come on, somebody ought to say amen. Thousands and thousands of people coming to the knowledge of Christ, being born again, getting healed, delivered, and being raised up to go out to start their own fisheries somewhere in the nation, somewhere in the world. Can you, can you give a good amen this morning? John 9 and verse 4, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent, who sent me. 
Jesus said that night is coming when no man can work. Recently, I was talking with a person uh, who was breathing their last, so they thought. They thought they were dying. They didn't die. They, they came back. And in that process of them reviewing their life, I've been at many deathbeds. I don't know how many you've been to. I've been to more than I can count. And in standing next to people's bed while they're passing, and some of them have miracles and they rise up and other ones die and go to heaven. If they've been born again, they've been saved. They received Jesus as our Lord and Savior. He's the only way to make it to heaven. He's the way, the truth, and the life. I've also been there where we just weren't sure what happened as someone died and they were cursing God. As they, on their last breath, they cursed God. That's a bad idea. Come on, bump your neighbor and say, that's a bad idea. Don't curse God while you're dying. Don't ever curse God, as a matter of fact. And it is a universal truth. I can't say every bed because that would be exaggerating and I can't remember, honestly. But commonly we hear, I want to make, I want my life to count. I want in my life to make a difference. I, I wanted to do something. I'm, I'm, I've heard people say, but I'm not done. Oh, did I make a difference? People long for that. You know why? Because inside your heart, inside mine, God has wired us up in such a way that we long to make a difference with this brief moment, a brief vapor called life. All of us want to be like, man, I, I feel like I've done something. You want that. We, in fact, you need it. You need it. It's not just a want, it's actually a need. Because if you don't have that, you'll have a tendency to fall out of life. The very things that were lost in the Garden of Eden are the very things that Jesus purchased back for us. Significance, security, acceptance. We all want a sense of significance. And as I was talking to this person just recently, they were so grieved and so wanting to know, to be affirmed. I, did I make a difference? I said, yeah, you made a difference and you're not done. Now in the name of Jesus. And there was a turnaround, glory to God. We all want to make a difference. You say, can I make a difference? You can. It is a deep desire of every human being to make a difference. And if you don't have the desire, it's been because somehow you've been hurt or wounded and you've lost your way. God doesn't save you just so you can go to heaven. He saves you so that you could do something for him. And the joy, the joy of that, the joy of doing something for the Lord, the heart of every human being desires to make a difference. We read the excerpts of this story to people. Philip, write in your notes now. We do have notes, and they'll put the blanks up on, on the screen. Stephen and Philip, they're not a part of the 12. They're a part of a Greek-speaking Jewish leaders who were chosen to fix a problem. Some would call it racism. Racist, perhaps. There's a problem with the daily distribution of the food. If you read the text... And the solution, the Hebraic Jews and Palestinian Jews. Hebraic Jews are, are Jews that spoke Hebrew. Then there's Jews that spoke Greek. Those are Palestinian Jews or Grecian Jews. There's two types of Jews in the early church, right? They weren't made of Gentiles. They were Jews. Come on, somebody say they were Jews. So the group of, of seniors, the widows, is more accurate, were not being fed in the daily in the food bank. Those who were distributing the food from the food bank were not giving it to the Palestinian, um, Palestinian martyrs, Palestinian widows, pardon me. 
And so they're like, we have a problem. How many of you know there was problems in the first century church? It was like, I want a church like the first century church. It was perfect. No, it wasn't. It was constantly changing. It had issues. And uh, every church has issues. And I, I love the quote from Dr. Morocco. If you find a perfect church, be sure not to go to it because you, sir, ma'am, will ruin it. There's always problems, and, it's, and, and I found that that's one of the ways that God helps us to find new ways, a solution to grow. Constantly growing, constantly changing structure. If you keep the same structure, they just had a move of God at Point Hope. Amen. Hundreds of people saved. Right? There, 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 there needs to be a structural change in order to gather those hundreds of people that got saved, or, you, or, or they'll just be lost through a hole in the net. You know, the Lord is going to give us a strategy for seeing church planting in the village, but not just a quick turning on of a water hose of God's power that then gets turned off when the evangelist and the team leaves and people are left. We need a sustainable outpouring of the Spirit of God. And, and I believe that, Dwayne, I believe God's given us a way to do that. Can, can somebody say amen? He's helping us. So that's the context of these, these two, Stephen and, and Philip. Let's look at Stephen. We're going to look at both of them. Stephen was a bold witness for Christ, for Jesus, among the Greek-speaking Jews in the synagogue. And he released uh, miracles, signs, wonders. God released miracles, signs, and wonders through him. He wasn't one of the apostles. He was a waiter. So there's a lot of people that think, well, you just need to be a pastor. You need to be an apostle. You need to be... I, I, was, I was picking up a hitchhiker, which I don't suggest you do. I picked up a hitchhiker in Molokai. I was relatively safe. And I picked him up, and as we're driving, the, I start witnessing to him, and he says, oh, I go to church. I said, oh, awesome. What church do you go to? He says, you know, the church of the firstborn brethren, fire baptized churches. I don't know what he said. Some church across town. And he said, and it's really awesome. I said, oh, yeah? What's so awesome about it? He says, we have vessels. I'm like... Well, what does that mean? We have vessels, people that actually are filled with the Holy Spirit and are used in the gifts of the Spirit. I said, um, that's all of us. We can all be. He says, oh, no, there's special chosen vessels. I said, no, there's not. And we got in an argument. I told him he was in a cult, and then I dropped him off and uh, invited him to Kings. I said, you need to run out of that place before you're deeply destroyed and hurt and wounded. It's twisted control and weird. Oh, I'm the only one. I'm the only one. Raise your hands. Oh, stop. Stop it. We can all be filled with the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody say amen. So this Stephen had a short life, but he was used powerfully. God released miracles through him. He boldly confronted the Jewish religious leaders. And I mean, you go and read this message, this one message, the, the one message that we know about that he preached. I'm not sure he preached others, but this is his last one. And he gives the gift you give once, martyrdom. And he wasn't afraid. God put grace, put power on him, and he stoned to death. And that stoning released a wave of persecution in the church. That is Stephen, the first martyr. Let's look at Philip. Because of the persecution, Philip heads off to Samaria to continue the revival that Jesus started. He, he reopens the well, if you could think of it that way. And uh, he goes to Samaria, and God uses him to bring a tremendous outpouring. And it's so great that the, the, the leaders 
The apostles come to check out what's happening and they begin to lay hands on people and they begin to get filled with the spirit. And in the midst of this outpouring, God speaks to him and says, go off to the desert. Which is crazy as an evangelist or a pastor, a leader, you start having an outpouring. You wouldn't think that God would tell you to leave now, quick leave, go to the desert. But he knew the voice of the Lord and he obeyed. And he runs out to the desert and we don't know how long he's there and he's standing there and he sees, and you can read this in the text, and he sees this chariot and the Lord says, go catch the chariot. So he's like, -dee -dee -dee, bah, 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 bah. and he catches up, six million dollar man for those of you from the 70s, and he runs. He runs and he catches the chariot. And when he gets there, when he gets there, he's running next to him and the guy's reading out of the book of Isaiah. How many of you can read and drive? That's a hard thing to do. Anyway, I'm sure he probably had somebody driving for him. And he says, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, no, how can I unless somebody tells me? It's a beautiful picture of God rele releasing people to release other people in ministry. It's, it's a beautiful thing. And so he explains it to him. And the Ethiopian, it's the Ethiopian uh, treasurer. Very influential man. In fact, write in your notes, God led him, God had him lead an influential Ethiopian, the treasurer for the queen to the Lord. So he leads him to Jesus and the, and the Ethiopian says, is there anything to keep me from being baptized? And he says, no. And they get down and they go into the water and Philip baptizes him. And it had to be quite an experience. This phenomena takes place. You see in the Old Testament, you see, you see in the New, he's translated. He's what? He's translated. He's literally sucked out of the baptismal pool and sent to the coastland to begin to minister. The coast, and he settles in Caesarea. Wow. Can you imagine being the Ethiopian guy? Whoa. Whoa. And he gets in his chariot and goes and starts Ethiopian churches and He ministered along the coast. He settled in Caesarea where he raised a family and four daughters that were prophetesses. Wow, the greatest journey of his life, he gets married. And I do believe that, you know, we don't hear too much, at least in scripture, about his four daughters, but later on in the book of Acts, you hear. But it's amazing that God used these two and there's some commonality and let's look at them here as we move along. What was common to both? They both glorified the Lord in their untimely death or lengthy life. We don't, we don't know how long. I mean, you can go and try to figure out how long Philip lived, but he raised a family. I want to tell you what I've realized in the word of Jim LaFoon over me and my wife was the most important things you've ever done is to raise your son, to raise your daughter. It's probably the greatest thing you've ever done. And I thought, amen. Wow, I think the righteous ought to have a lot of kids. I think the unrighteous should not. They should get saved and then have kids, amen. But we'll leave that to the Lord. You missed a great place to say, oh me or oh my or something, all right. Both affected thousands. Stephen's death caused Greek-speaking Jewish believers to leave Jerusalem and to spread the gospel everywhere they went. One scholar said that because they did not go out into other places that it brought persecution, that there was disobedience. 
And that could very well be possible that because they didn't go into all the world, they stayed. There was, there was a, you know, there could be a tendency to want to stay around a church that's on fire, a tendency to want to stay in revival and not, not be sent out. But I'm going to tell you, we're an aircraft carrier. If I can just bring some application for a moment. Yeah, God's pouring out his spirit here. Absolutely. He's pouring out his spirit in Kona. He's pouring out his spirit wherever he can get somebody to agree with him, to lift him up. And he draws all men unto himself, to set the captives free, to cast out devils, to heal the sick. Come on, God will do that for anybody. You don't have to be some apostle or even have a title. You can just be a waiter. And I don't mean just to be a waiter. Thank God for waiters who serve you, who serve me. Thank God for whatever you're doing. God wants to use you. Come on, say it. Somebody say, God wants to use me. Come on, I want you to say this. Say, you can make a difference. Come on, say it. Say it to your neighbor. Say, you can make a difference. Look at him. You can make a difference. No, I, 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 I'm not educated. We'll, we'll, we'll get, a, get an application for KSM and get educated. But meanwhile, it doesn't say that they were educated and highly intelligent men and they marveled. No, what it says, that the religious leaders looked at them and they took note that they had been with Jesus. They were simple, ignorant fishermen, just like me, just like you. And God used them. God used these men to spread the good news. And it is said that it could be that persecution took place because they were not obeying God. Now listen, even if you obey God or don't obey God, you obey God, you're gonna have difficulties. You don't obey God, you're gonna have difficulties. But you must obey the word of the Lord. And so that, I think they just began to move out from there for certain, that's what the text says. And the church at Antioch was birthed, as well as the church in Samaria. And Philip touched two different nations. What do you mean? Well, he touched the Ethiopian. You know, you just never know who's in your life group, who's in your team. We do not know who's really here today. I mean, I'm, we hope to know you by name and meet you. I'm, I'll be out front to shake your hands and we love people. We're glad you're here. But I'm gonna tell you, some of you disqualified yourself because of your past. Some of you disqualified yourself because of your lack of education. Or some of you just don't think very much of yourself to be able to do anything. I'm telling you, God can use anybody. He can use a donkey, he can use you. You can use anything, Lord. You can use me. Come on, somebody say, use me. Use me, Lord. You can make a difference. Bump your other neighbor and say, you can make a difference. And they both made a great difference in the world. God's clearly speaking to us this morning in this brief message. Believe that we can make a difference. You've got to believe that you can. Tell yourself you can. Look yourself in the mirror and say, I'm, I'm here on purpose. God has a plan for me. Jeremiah 29, 11. Come up, I, I look over and I, I see my brother Jewett over here. And he's 86, close, 85, I was close, was one year off. 85 years old, he can outhang most sheet rockers, can outwork most young men, and is a missionary to Africa. And he's sitting here with his lovely wife at 85 years old with the same spirit like Caleb. Don't tell me you're too old because this just proves it all right here. Don't tell me you're too young. I love that. Jesus' ministry was youth, except for Peter. It was the only adult. He didn't act like it all the time, but that's awesome. Come on, lift your hands to heaven. Say, Jesus, use me. Come on, say, oh God, use me. I want to make a difference. Say it. Oh God, use me. I want to make a difference. 
When I got a hold of the fact that God could maybe use me, I was the most exhilarating thing I ever heard. And I think back as I look at our dear brother doing a fantastic job on our sound and appreciate you. But it wasn't all that many years ago that I looked back there and there's a man by the name of Shane. Well, that wasn't his first name. It was his middle name. And they all called him Shane. I remember he came here because he tried to serve at some other place. They said, no, we don't, we don't need any help. And he came and he, he came because he wanted the, wanted the help. Him and his wife, Heidi, came here. They met at the state fair years ago. Well, Shane became Timothy. Well, he already was Timothy, but he, he took his name Timothy as he began to serve. And he really is Timothy. Great man of faith. And you pastored up in Delta. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, oh man, that was, that was something. <laughs> Took a building that had no heat, had nothing. We had nothing. We had no money to do it. We just had faith. And you went and it was difficult. Probably more than I know. And you just, you just would fight the fight and try to reach the community. And God raised you up to be a great pastor and put an apostolic anointing. Are you going to plant churches all over, all over the villages? He was doing the sound, Jeremy. God can use you. He said, well, I'm, I'm on the keepers of the house. I, the clean team. I'm on the clean team. I clean. I, I, but I, Philip was a waiter. Well, there's nothing wrong with cleaning. There's everything right with it. Just don't get upset when you're cleaning and it's really messy because... By all means, pick up your paper and help out. But, but when the stall is full, it's full of other stuff also. You can have a clean church and no one in it. We can all be used by God. I think, I think about a, a, a young man who was dying of tuberculosis. His parents were spirit-filled. And uh, Oklahoma, I think... Uh, and they prayed for him and he got healed. He began to serve God as a young man and the power of God would come on him and his right hand would, would tremble and be filled with fire. And he began to start these, these meetings and he had this idea to take a tent. He started these tent meetings. His name is Oral Roberts. He had these great healing revivals across America. He was just a little boy decided to do something for God. I think about Latoya Gunn. Does anybody know who that is? You probably don't. But she's known in heaven. And without her, I wouldn't be here, even though she died many years before I was born. Latoya Gunn was a maid. And many, many years ago, your grandmother, Esther Morocco, wanted to go to Bible college. She had no money to go. She had gotten saved, persecuted by her Catholic family. They didn't think it was so great that she now loves Jesus instead of as a part of the Catholic Church, got persecuted, ended up living with others, as I recall, in the church, got set on fire, wanted to go to Bible college, had no money. And someone in the church paid for her to go to Bible college. And that someone was Latoya Gunn and paid for all of her Bible college, all four years she went. She met Dan Morocco at Bible college, hated him at first, but then God put them together and they became missionaries. 
and they had children. Phil Morocco, who's gone on to be with the Lord, and Debbie Morocco, who's also gone on to be with the Lord. Bill Morocco, who's also gone on beyond with the Lord. Uh, pardon me, Dave. Dave, Dave go, Dave's gone on to be with the Lord. Bill Morocco, he's still alive, great man, great pianist, great man of God. He's in Texas. Excuse me. Dave Morocco's gone on to be with the Lord. He used to pray the principal of our Continental Christian School. And Dr. James Morocco, who's my pastor. And if this precious lady didn't see her resources as a means of making a difference in someone else's life, then they never would have met very possibly. And I wouldn't be here. I, I, I'd, been, I'd, have, I'd have split hell wide open long ago. I think about how God want, used a Philip, used a Stephen, how God can use you. I think about Pastor Kirsten Davis. Have you ever heard Pastor Kirsten Davis's testimony? I don't think you'd mind if I just shared a part of it. Pastor Kirsten Davis years ago, as a young man, had given up hope. He felt that nobody cared. He'd been through a very difficult time. I hope it's okay I share this, Pastor Kirsten. I think he pulled up into the church parking lot and was despairing of even his life as a young man. How old were you? 17 years old and wanted to give up life, just like so many 17 year olds in villages. Was done, hated life, didn't want to live anymore. And he cries out to God. I'm sure he'd tell a much better job of telling his testimony naturally. He's told it before. Cried out to God, oh God, no one cares. And the Lord spoke to him and said, I care. It touched his heart, it set him free. He began to serve at a local church and he's our executive administrator here at the church along with many other things. Come on, God can use you. I said God can use you. You can make a difference. I think I'm looking, I, I mean, I can look out and just see bam, 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 bam. I'm looking all over the place. I see evangelist John Duke. He got kicked out of counseling. They wouldn't even counsel him anymore. They said, we can't help you, you're beyond help. He was on so many drugs. He was so paranoid. He carried a gun, a knife, and a bazooka or something. I don't know. He, he was so filled with PTSD and trauma. And God brought him into this place. He had given his heart to Jesus, I think, at a camp when he was a kid, when he was a youth. Am I right? You went to a youth camp, as I recall. You know, you don't know what's going to happen in youth camp. You leave your kid at home to have one more. The school starts on the 16th for the public school system. You get them, get your, you sponsor somebody, get one of these youth in camp. John Duke got set free by the power of the Holy Ghost, served here valiantly, and went on into ministry. Started, <laughs> was a little aggressive, launched into full time ministry very quickly. God caught you, He honored your faith. And now you're traveling across America, preaching the gospel everywhere you go, full-time in ministry with your wife, God providing, God, come on, somebody. He can take someone like, like John. He can take someone like me. He can take someone like you. He can take you and use you for the glory of God. Come on, you can make a difference. I said you can make a difference. Your life is not an accident. Your life is not a mistake. God doesn't know how to do those. He calls you by name and he'll put his power on you and raise you up to be a Philip, to be a, hey, to be a Stephen. Can somebody say amen in the house of God? Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, 
raised from the dead. Come on, lift your hands to heaven all across this place. Come on, someone say, get ready for the harvest. My God. Oh, God's speaking to us a number of things here. One, believe you can make a difference. Two, we must be equipped. It's not enough just to feel God touch you and your hair to stand on the hand. The Spirit of God is so rich and so thick here. It's wonderful, it's beautiful, and I don't undermine that or I so deeply appreciate His presence. But you must take that then and be trained. You must be equipped. What is that? What what equipment do I need? You need to be equipped and to know your identity. To be filled with the Spirit and learn how to rightly divide the Word. We all need to be equipped. That is a lifetime. Have you been equipped, Pastor Daniel? I'm still being equipped. I feel like I'm a, I feel like I'm a, you know, a teenager. I feel like I just maybe got out of high school in the Spirit. Equipping is something that takes place the rest of your life. You think you arrived, you've backslidden. Pulled the Bible out. I was at a hospital ministering there from the inside at a mental hospital, secret agent. Pulled my Bible out and this young man says to me, what's that? I said, it's the Bible. He says, oh yeah, I read that. Think you ought to read it again, son. <laughs> no matter how many times I've read the Bible through, there's so much more there. Come on, someone say, be equipped. Be equipped as they were. You gotta have the power of the Spirit in your life. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Everybody say it, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be full of faith. You see this right in the text. Be full of faith. Don't miss tonight. Tonight's going to be a Holy Ghost blowout. I'm just telling you. If you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, you come tonight. I mean, God can fill you now also. While I'm even preaching, did it for Peter. You come. You get full of the Spirit. It takes the Spirit of God. It takes God to live for God. Say that. It takes God to live for God. You try to white knuckle it without being filled with the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It'd be very difficult. He doesn't just save your mind. He saves all of you and fills you with fire and power. Don't make theological excuses for why you have no power in your life. Don't make theological arguments. Well, we just don't believe in the Spirit of God's poured out anymore. That ended with the apostles. Well, did it. Philip wasn't an apostle. Stephen wasn't an apostle. And do you think, pretty important, I think the Lord would tell us in His Word if that was the case. Yes, there's no more shakalakas. Amen. No more baptism. Be full of faith. Be full of the Spirit. Seek God's favor. Are you all there in the notes with me? I'm almost done. Seek God's favor. Worship team, come on. Seek God's favor. Everybody say, seek God's favor. Full of grace, which means favor. I've tried to position myself. I have positioned myself and endeavored to the rest of my life to stay in favor. How do you do that, Pastor? I come to prayer, I pray. I have a lifestyle of prayer, number one. I'm a tither, I'm a giver, number two. Number, number three, I mean, if we're making lists, I, I read the word, do you? You, you, you look at a, a Pastor Jacob, so anointed, and just pop out the womb all anointed, ready to cast out devils, he had to get disciple. Think about John, Evangelist John, same thing. You were messed up. God renewed your mind. How? By the Word, by reading the Word, memorizing the Word, by praying, by being in accountability, 
by being discipled, by being mentored. Some of you want great grace and great favor to come upon you and your business, but you're not willing to read the Word. You're not willing to pray. You're not willing to be accountable. You're not willing to, to get crafted in, to get equipped. God wants to put His fire on this community, and He's calling you by using these lips of clay right now to call you to say, you can make a difference. He's not just saved you so you can die to go to heaven. No, He saves you so you can be used to change the world. Whether you have a long life or a short life, and by the way, none of us know how long a life you're going to have. I'm going for 120 years, preaching, praying, and prophesying. I don't know about you, but we gotta get ready for the harvest. Come on, somebody say, get ready. And then lastly, serve, serve, serve. Find a place to serve. If all you do is listen to messages like this and you don't get activated to serve in the house of the Lord, you will be sadly ripped off. As, as Shane, who then became Pastor Timothy, a horrible crime across America where pastors and leaders say, no, we don't need any help. Let me just tell you right now, we need help. We need hundreds and hundreds because to the degree that we can make a net is the degree that God will give us a harvest. Get ready for the harvest. Come on, somebody say, get ready. Find yourself a place. I was looking at a video of Pastor Tim pulling that net. You know what it takes to pull a net and bring in fish? Some serious back muscles, hand strength. I don't know if you worked out before you start fishing, but man, it, you certainly get in shape rather quickly. Put your hand to the plow, won't you? Get in Discover Track. Be a part of what's taking place here. Find a place to serve. We have a King's Christian School that's starting. He said, oh, I want to help with that. Okay, just stop off at the, at the Connect desk out there. Take the app and, and the, do the, the get involved deal. Can you say yes? Will you let God use you? Will you be a part of the harvest? There's no greater joy. There's no greater joy than at the end of your life knowing that you've been used by God that you can make a difference. Come on, someone say, I can make a difference. With every head bowed, every eye closed, as I conclude this message and this service, if you're not right with God, don't you leave this place in that condition because there really is a place called hell. And it's not created for you, it's created for the devil and his, his minions. No, heaven was created for you and you're made in God's image, but you're separated from God because of sin. You ever sinned before? You ever lied before? You ever taken the Lord's name in vain? Lusted, perhaps? We've all sinned, the Bible says, and fallen short of the glory of God, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. It's a gift. If one person could earn it, then Jesus never had to die, but you can't earn it. It doesn't matter how much you've given. It doesn't matter if you surrender your body to the flames. It doesn't matter how many people you help across the street. It doesn't matter how many widows or how you serve. If you've never given your life to Jesus, you must do that first. That's the first thing you need to do. You say, that's me, Pastor. I want my sins forgiven. I want heaven in my home. I want to make a difference. I want God to use me. Wonderful all across this place, if that's you, you want to give your heart to Jesus first time, or number two, you want to make a recommitment to Him because you drifted in your commitment and you need to come home today. On the count of three, if you fit in any of those categories, raise your hand. One, two, three. Do it right now. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Praise God. God bless you. Thank you for your honesty over on this right side. Thank you. In the middle. 
Thank you for your honesty. Would you all stand up with us? Thank you. I see that hand online, perhaps. Come on, pray this prayer with us right out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father. Come on, right out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place, to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin. Come into my life. Come into my heart. Wash me and cleanse me and make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. As a universal surrender, a sign of surrender, would you just lift your hands to heaven? I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill and touch these. I pray you break every bondage, break every chain. Holy Spirit, come right now. I thank you for new beginnings. Holy Spirit, come right now. Baptize these afresh. And I pray that every single person under the sound of my voice would find a place to make a difference in this house and outside the house as well. Lord, I pray that we would be inundated with requests of how can I get involved at the Connect desk and through the app, through the website. And we would see a great release of workers because the harvest is plentiful and the fields are white, but the labors are few. Thank you for all those that you have raised up. Add to our number, even daily, as we get ready for the harvest. In Jesus' name, can you give a big amen to the Lord? Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to King's Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.